We're back okay. in the studio. Yeah, it's great to be back. Episode number two. Uh, another exciting week and plenty to talk about today. Um, I know we're, we're really excited to uh, just talk about some of the things that have been going on in the news. Um, AG, what, what did you want to cover today? Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of exciting topics. You know, we're totally figuring out things on the tech side. Hopefully the audio is a little bit better this time around and that our, our microphones and our sound quality uh, is just it's just better this episode. So I'm excited about that as well. But I think what we wanted to talk about first was a little bit about the way police are being viewed currently and kind of a, a few things that are kind of in the, coming up in the headlines. One of them, this idea of defunding the police and another one as kind of how we are kind of pointing the finger in, at, at the police as the enemy. Um, so, so maybe I, I think we could we could dive in there, but maybe, John, it would be helpful to hear a little bit about the topic that we want to go into in the second half of the podcast, and then we'll just kind of dive deep into the, the, the police topic. Yeah, so I think after we cover um, defunding the police and that movement, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the move the, the other kind of big thing that's going on is the removal of a lot of these um, statues or memorials of former slaveholders, uh, Confederate troops, generals, um, stuff like that. Um, and we're, we'll, we'll talk about that and, um, you know, uh, just kind of what, what we think about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, and I'd love to just dive right in here on, uh, on the defunding the police question. Okay. So, so let's do it. What, what do you think, John? Um, should we defund our police? You know, I think that we should defund our police, AG. And, you know, the, the first thing that I want to say is it's just like what a crazy like few weeks, right? I feel like the consciousness of the whole country has shifted dramatically in just the span of a month. Um, because I feel like for so long, you know, police uh, were such a, a, a staple um, for 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 just the u.s population like i i feel like people had just a pretty like obviously a lot of people have have had trouble with the police for a long time that's what we're seeing this now but i think like the majority of people um maybe even just a few months ago probably had you know something positive to say about a lot of their police experience at least white people um but now i think you're really just seeing the whole conversation change so dramatically and the fact that it's even gotten to this point where we're talking about defunding the police is is crazy. But yes, um, to answer your question, AG, I think we should defund the police. And I was talking to uh, somebody about this earlier today. And my view on it is it's, you know, it's not just a few bad apples. Um, it's the entire culture of policing, uh, the, the history of it, how it was set up and how it's just kind of an other tool for, uh, retribution and punishment in our criminal justice system. And I think that, um, you know, the phrase I've been saying to, to to a few people is I think we need peace officers, not police officers. Um, I think we also need social workers and mental health professionals. And I think like if our goal is really to curb, um, you know, crime, poverty, drug addiction, I think that, you know, uh, defunding the police and and reinvesting is a good place to start. And, and now I do want to clarify, when we talk about defunding the police, a lot of the people who are really behind this movement, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the Sunrise Movement, they're talking about not just taking away funds, but a fundamental reinvestment of how we're spending our, 
uh, money uh, when it comes to um, you know policing and preventing crime. So I think that's an important point, John, because the the idea of defunding people often ask like, well, what's going to happen to the budget? Where's the money going? And I, I think a term that I've been seeing kind of float around is this idea of reallocating capital and how we can kind of use the money because, I mean, you've seen those pictures where how much of our budget is going to the police force. And you kind of have to wonder what got it so high in the first place, you know? And, and, and maybe it's America's history for kind of investing in violence, police force, and, and things like that compared to maybe some European models that people often reference. But I, I do, I, we have to find a way to, to I mean, this idea of completely defunding the police to me is a little ludicrous. And I think when you see the banners up, defund the police or fuck the police or whatever it is, it's not... I mean, you do need a police force. You do need people who, if something's going wrong, they can call 911. And these people are are, are really looking to take care of things and, and help people. The issue is that there's been, I mean, like the, the brutality, how easy it is to become a police officer, the, the techniques used. I mean, we fundamentally need to change the police force. And I love the idea of what you said. I think was it like the the peace force, or I've heard guardians yeah, float around. Peace officers, not police officers, is is the phrase that I've kind of been thrown out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting because I think for a long a long time, um, you know, just in our in our culture, police were really revered. You know, like. We we love the boys in blue, totally. And I, and I and I think that's just kind of where these inflated budgets come from. Um, part of that is too that you know police unions are very strong in a lot of states, um, and uh, you know the, the other part of that is obviously I think they just have been had some unquestioned societal support for for decades. And um, you know you see the way that you know before these last you know this last couple of months like how they've just been revered in our, our culture. There's like four different shows on on tv about cops i think most That's of them so have true. been canceled this week <laughs> but um but you know so so i i think that is i think that's part of it but but i think your idea holds water um aiden um it's funny i did an instagram poll yesterday and the the, the poll that i i put forward is actually a tweet and someone has someone you know threw the idea out there of why don't we make police officers have to go through like a four-year criminal justice program and I think ideas like that are interesting because I agree with you. I, don't, I think we need people to keep us safe. But, um, you know, I think that what, what people are really realizing is that we need, we need professionals, um, people who are trained in crisis management and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I don't think it's really just one or the other. Um, I think we have to keep, we have to keep, I think we just have to keep, um, you know, keep discussing what is the best way forward. Um, but I understand how these these little snippets of defund the police or fuck the police can be um, maybe a little incendiary. Um, and I don't know. Do you think it works contrary to the to the objective? Well, I, so I th I think it's part of the objective. I think that's how why I wanted maybe to transition to. Do you feel like the police are the scapegoat right now for a broader systemic racism issue? 
Um, because I feel like the police force is being totally thrown under their bus in a lot of ways. I mean, those people who sign up for duty, don't get me wrong, they know that, that, that they are putting their lives on the line when they go to work every day because you never know what could happen. And when innocent black people are killed because of police force, that's 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 just completely unjust and not what they signed up for. But I, I, I do think that, I mean, COVID has disproportionately affected minority groups and black people. And... I feel like all this pent up anger and everything that's going on is I mean it seems like every public official is is feeling like they're trying to step out of the way and kind of throw the 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 blame at the police force because it seems like that's where everyone ha- can point their anger to right now but it, it's so much more complex than that um it's not just the, like the police force that's causing all these issues yeah i mean it's part of these it's part of the murders and it's, and it's a huge part of what people are fighting for but the real root of the socioeconomic the systemic racism the criminal justice reform. I mean, these are really complex issues. And I think that sometimes when we over talk about the police force, we're distracting ourselves from larger problems. But I think people do try to get on get into that. But it, it just it, I just think we have to make sure that we're keeping the conversation broader and really trying to tackle what we want to tackle. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you say that these problems are systemic. And just uh, focusing on one department or one agency within a, a government is not going to is not going to solve the problem because, like you said, you know, a lot of these issues um, and a lot of the this anger and pent up frustration coming from these communities from younger people is in large part due to the economic conditions that we find ourselves in. And uh, so, so while I think you're right about that, um, I do I, I also think that. Police departments play a pretty big role when it comes to the cyclical nature of poverty and oppression, particularly in black communities. Um, you know, whether that's like, you know, you're, you're looking at some of these schools now uh, canceling their contracts with police. I can't even remember if we talked about this yeah. last episode, yeah. but that's a pretty big that's a pretty big thing. Um, and the reason why uh, schools are doing this is because you hear uh, you probably heard about like the school to prison pipeline. Um, and it really just kind of occurred to me, like in the last couple of weeks, like how true that is. Um, so many black people or just kids in general, their first experience with the criminal justice system is due to an arrest at school. And so I think if we, uh, you know, I, I think if we like think about what are some of the best ways to break the cycle of oppression, um, I think that giving a hard look at the police is is something that we have to do. And I, and you know, while I understand that there's so much going on in our society right now, I do think you're seeing it. there is a reason, obviously, why the police are the targets of of that frustration right now. Totally. And so, one thing that came up recently in Seattle was uh, people on in a neighbor in our neighborhood downtown in Capitol Hill have been protesting the police and in in this police kind of precinct, their kind of main office where they do a lot of their work for, for days. And it was going on so long and so violently. Um, well, violently just because of the kind of the back and forth nature of these, these protests that the police force boarded up the, the building and they left. Um, and that was a big win for the, the people who have been protesting and trying to show that their voice stands for something. 
And, and now the many of the police officers in the city don't have they're, – they're not going into an office. That was one of the major hubs. And so I, I, I wonder if this is the right way to ch create change and it's getting the message across or is it kind of a level of ent entitlement that they can kind of take over like they, – they also took over um, – City Hall in, in Seattle, and they flooded it. And the police force knew that they were there, and they just kind of let them because they kind of wanted to let the people be the people. So everyone last – like last night or two nights ago flooded City Hall, and there was hundreds of people in the building. Um, and so I, I guess when does the line – like is, is this helping the cause is my question. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a fair question. And um, – you know, it's something that we're going to have to to grapple with as as citizens. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious just to to hear maybe like from you a little bit. Like, how how do you, how do you feel just about police officers in general? Like, do, do they make you feel safer, um, or, or or not? Do, do you feel like they're they're really doing a strong service for the community? Do you think they're making communities more prosperous? Like, uh, totally. You know, just 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 net. Um, I mean, I, I agree. It depends who you are. I mean, if you're a white sure. man in a privileged area, it's completely different than if you're a black man in a lower socioeconomic area. And like you said, from the school system to kind of like jail or your interactions with the criminal justice system, it's it's just completely different. Um, so I don't think voicing my opinion on the police is fair. I do think, though, this idea that we're going to completely get rid of police officers is um, in the right mind. I don't think that's what people are saying. Um, but I, I just want to – like a world without people to, pr to protect us, like the guardian term that you used. Like I, I think – to me it feels right, n right now there are some bad apples and I think that has to become almost unacceptable in the police force. Like it's like a pilot. You can't have some bad pilots, right? I mean I think Kevin, Kevin Hart said that. But it feels like right now the police force is being spat on. And I think it's not like these individuals – like there's definitely bad individuals, but we need to focus on the system that they're in and that they, they need to change and not – you know, like I, th yeah. I, th I th – and, and I want to move that. Right. And, and so like I, I've been struggling with this too. Um, and, you know, I don't want to spend all our time on this topic, but um, – you know, I did just want to bring up one one more point, and it's it's the Buffalo case, right? Yeah. Where the the police officer pushed down an elderly man. He hit his head. He had you know pretty significant head injuries, um, and they just walked by him. Um, as a result, I, I think what those those police officers that walked by him were suspended or they were fired or something. And then the and then you had like sixty other. Uh, uh, police officers in that division uh, resign right um, after that happened so so that's kind of like you know and look I agree I I had a, a neighbor when I was young um, who whose dad was a police officer and he was the nicest guy ever so I'm not saying it's all cops at all but I do think um, that Buffalo example is is just an example of how the culture in policing that kind of um, toxic masculinity aggressive uh, combat, style uh attitude is not just a few it's not just a few bad actors 
um, that it's actually kind of the entire culture. And then I just wanted to say to, to say one more thing too about even you know how um, you know what how mo- modern police offices um, were were even founded, how they even came to be this way, and and a lot of it is because of the the history that police offices have um, being tools to uh, back in the, in the days of slavery to enforce slavery and capture runaway slaves and then after slavery was abolished to to enforce segregation and and I, I've learned recently just about how much of uh, that the, the current police culture um, has its roots in some really dark places so I think that's kind of another part of it but you know wow. I digress no, no, I think that's a fantastic point. And I think that's maybe a nice time to transition into our other topic today, which is how our history as a country of built by slaves in the in the people that we talk about as our, our, our presidents, that we have monuments after, that are slave owners, and how we think about keeping their legacy – um, but knowing that what they part of who they were does not stand in modern times. I'm, I'm, how do you think about this? I mean, I know you just before this conversation, you were telling me about some of the work you're doing with a friend. So maybe that might be a good place to start. Yeah, um, I think this is such an interesting question. And I think it was either earlier today or yesterday that Christopher Columbus his he, his statue was beheaded, I believe, it was in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so it's it's kind of a funny picture if if you haven't seen it, but it raises a bunch of really important questions um, because you're you're seeing these movements happen all over America, whether it's former slave holders or Confederate soldiers or generals um, having their monuments taken down, and um, you know I think it's it's really interesting um, that we're seeing such a, a wave of this right now. Um, you know, on one hand, the argument is that, you know, these, these people, uh, whether they were, you know, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, or, um, Columbus did horrible things. And I don't think any of us can argue with that. Um, they owned slaves and in the case of Christopher Columbus, you know, he was exceptionally brutal to the native populations that he encountered. Um, but at the same time, um, they, are a foundational part of this government's history. And, um, you know, so, so I think that we, uh, you know, we need to continue to, to learn about these people and talk about these people. But, but whether or not we are memorializing them in, in the way that we have over the last, you know, few hundred years, that's the real big question right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting because one thing I struggle with is like there's no one that you could look back on in that time and give them the check mark that they were being okay right like like they they were living in the way the world was so then so then you have to look at anyone in all of american history that owned a slave um they i mean we, there sh- there should be no reason to memorialize them in any way because, but even though it was kind of part of their times, and and that's what I like. If if these people were alive now, it's not like they would own slaves. Yeah, um, you know, I think that is an interesting point. But 
here's kind of the perspective that I'm, I'm coming at this from. And I, I just want to, you know, I'm curious to know whether or not you jive with it because, because you're right, you know, times were different back then. Um, but I, I do want to point out that it, it wasn't necessarily everyone that owned slaves. You know, there were white landowning individuals um, at the time of the country's foundation who didn't own slaves, like John Adams, for example. He's, he's uh, you know, he's notable in that regard. Um, but you're right. You no, know, a lot of other people owned slaves during that time. But uh, I think that um, times change, obviously. And... I think we'd all feel like pretty weird if we were, if, you know, if there were statues up um, all over the United States of former Nazis, for example, yeah. but, but, but they're, but they're not. And, and it's because I think the mainstream of America just finds it so abhorrent. And I feel like in, until about now, um, but, we, but John, just that, let me stop yeah. you real quick mm-hmm. there, because I mean, I, I hear what you're trying to say with Nazis, but that's a, a foreign country that was trying to basically create a world war right and these are people who are the foundation of our country that we are all a part of now so i I just don't think that's exactly fair to do apples to apples there but i I hear what you're saying right and it doesn't have to do anything about so you know i'm I'm just separating this from from the founding right now of our country and, and i'm trying i'm trying to um have us just think about how horrible of an institution slavery was. And, totally. and my point, my point is like, you know, I think the majority of Americans are very clear, right. About like Nazism. Um, yeah. But, but when it, when it comes to thinking about slavery, it feels like, well, it was part of our country. And I mean, right. I hear you. And, and if you think about it from like, uh, like, a modern day black person in their perspective to walk around and see these monuments of people who they know that their great, great grandparents or grand great grandparents were slaves because, because of them and that they upheld those values for so long. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know as a Jew, I would feel, I would feel disgusted walking around the country when I knew there was people that did that type of thing. Um, to my people. So, I, I mean, as I'm thinking about it, I, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, it, it's tough um, because they have such an important place in history, like you said. But, to f- like, it's kind of like, I'm thinking about kind of like the Redskins as well. And just these, these the way it sits with certain people to, to kind of have that level of empathy um, to know that we can show it in other ways without memorializing it. Right. And, and that's kind of the perspective that, you know, I've been considering more and more these last couple of weeks because, you know, up, up until now, I've basically just kind of, I've been with you, you know, I've, I've taken the side of, you know, I think we're being too PC by having to take down these monuments. It was part of history. People need to understand history. But, you know, the more conversations I've had, the more people have have pointed out, well, John, like you can, you can still teach these people in school. They can still be an integral part of our country's history. Um, they're not going to be taken out of the history books. What we're talking about is taking away the memorials that almost kind of deify figures like uh, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson, when they were actually complicit and and guilty of uh, one of the most evil institutions that has ever existed. 
And I, you know, I think that we don't really realize the, the other part of that too, that, that people have kind of brought to my attention is that for, for these people, you know, if you think about Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, um, so much of their fortunes, their economic livelihoods were made on the backs of slaves. And I think so often we tell their stories without telling that story too. And the fact that they were, you know, so prominent and so wealthy, um, had to do in part with with their their ownership and in, in trading of human chattel, um, and so you know it, it's it's funny because I, I you know I actually posted another Instagram poll today on this exact question and I asked, um, do you believe that we should uh, take down monuments of all former slaveholders, including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Christopher Columbus? And it's actually pretty amazing, Aiden, the, the response that I've got. So far, I've gotten over 60 responses. And guess how many people said that, no, we shouldn't take those monuments down? Probably only a few. Two out of 60. But, and that could be, uh, obviously, you know, my, my social media could skew a little to the left. And I'm sure that it does. But still, like, I was, I was really surprised by that. And that's so many, um, you know, it seems like the majority of young people, at least from the small sample size that I had, are clearly in favor of taking down these monuments to, to people that, uh, even, even for people that had a lot of redeeming qualities, like Thomas Jefferson or George Washington. Like, obviously, they did some good things, too. But, but it seems like a lot of young people are making the decision right now that, you know, if you participated in the... You know, if you participate in the buying and selling of human beings and, and the working and, and working them to death, then that outweighs kind of almost anything else. And so I'm curious, I'm curious about what you think about that. Are you surprised by that? I'm, I'm not surprised because I do think that um, your audience is very catered to that um, in terms of the content that you kind of been been channeling. But I, I do think it's to me it opens up an interesting question where you think about people who've made it might have done bad things that we now consider horrible but how do we think about their legacy for what their good things were and one example i'm thinking of is gandhi Um, gandhi was known to help free india from colonization from the British, but he was also known to be like kind of like a, a child molester with with young women and, and, and boys. And I, I mean, I, I think that how do, and, and, and I don't want to digress from this topic, and I, I find myself that I am, but it, it, it does beg an interesting question of this notion that people can do really good things and do really awful things and how do we remember them yeah um that's such a good question it's it's a loaded question and i don't i'm not even gonna pretend uh like i i have even began to figure out a good answer for that i really just think that human society you know our human society is so nebulous and things are in a constant state of flux and what we regard as acceptable today, um, you know, could be completely uh, unacceptable in you know, a few years from now. And so I, I think, I think it's hard to definitive, definitively answer those questions. 
But I do think that um, we have to be open to evolving and changing, um, especially when we're encountered with either new information or just a general shift in our in our collective consciousness. And yeah, I don't. And, I, yeah, and, go ahead. And one thing, John, just like real quick, is I wonder if it's not destroying the monuments, but just taking them away from public display. Because I, I, I'm thinking about kind of a long-term perspective now, and I am as I'm, as we're having this conversation, I agree that it doesn't seem quite fair to have these monuments for people who feel like it threatened their way of life um, and did so much damage to their way of life. With that said, if I think about humanity in hundreds of years from now, and they want to look back at our time period. It would be nice to not destroy the monuments, but have them in storage as a way, as as a remembrance of the times when we chose to remove these monuments, you know? And and I'm not saying we need to store all of them, but the ones that are significant yeah. um, as a way that we chose to remove these from view in our society, but that we understood their what they did for our country, but that it was no longer representatory of the people who lived in it and didn't uphold the values that we stood for. I think this whole idea of violence and destruction just brings me to things. It, it kind of feels like we're trying to erase something that we can't erase because it's true. And I think we can take it out of our view, um, but I think there's something to be said about – I mean I'm, I think that a lot of them probably can be destroyed. But for significant statues, whether it's in England or d- different areas in, in D.C., we have to hold on to something, I think, to remember um, yeah. that we used to live like this. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that the point you make about preserving these um, – Artifacts for posterity, whether that's in museums or or uh, for display in some other uh, private historical site, um, I, I think makes makes a lot of sense, um, and I, and I agree. I, I think that we shouldn't just be completely destroying our history because I mean a lot of these monuments um, have been around for for ages, and regardless of what they represent, there there is a lot of of history. Um, and knowledge that that goes with that surrounding them, um, but on the on the other hand, though, you know, I do think that uh, when you see like images like in Great Britain, and I can't even remember what statue it was, but did you see the video of of that crowd uh, throwing mm-hmm. that that statue into the river? Yep. And so, like with that, or or whether it's the beheading of the Columbus statue, I think that there is. And I agree. I don't think all the all the monuments at all should uh, should have to be destroyed, or even should be should be destroyed at all. But I do think that there is some you know it, there's some catharsis there, you know. Yeah. And and when I watch that crowd, you know, I'm not gonna lie. When I watch that crowd uh, throw that statue of of a former slaveholder into the river, um, it, it made me it made me feel proud um, to to live in this generation and. Because I, I think there's a lot of powerful symbolism there um, that, you know, that we are not going to just be living in the legacy of, of these people, but we are going to start start new. Um, yeah. So so that's kind of, you know, 
that's kind of where where I where I end up on that. And I think it's there's a lot of gray um, because it it depends on the person too, right? Um, but even for like Thomas Jefferson, it's like this is a guy who owned over 600 slaves in his lifetime. And out of the 600 that he owned, he freed only two. Um, and he participated his whole life in the buying and selling of human beings. And I just think when we really like bring it down to that level um, and we think about it, you know, and we, and we really make uh, a effort to think about those people that he, he bought and sold and worked to death uh, as people, as human beings, um, who had every right to, to live just as much as, as he did, um, then we kind of start to look at things in a different light. Um, but, you know, with that said, it's like Thomas Jefferson, you know, he made some pushes to end the uh, North Atlantic slave trade. So it's like, I mean, it's just, it's really hard. And I think there's a lot of gray area and we have to look kind of at things case by case. Um, but I think that, you know, if you've, you know, if you're a person who owned a massive plantation with 600 slaves, I think that's a, that, that's a, that's, that's a pretty clear line, um, in, in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear all these points and I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, the way you were describing, like the way you can have to view another human being like that is just, it's disturbing that you can to, to, to dehumanize someone that much and still live and how that went on for so long and how it's gone on throughout history for so long is, is horrible. John, this, this, we, we've covered a lot of ground in, in, in these 30 minutes for how, how would you kind of, how do you think about kind of summarizing these main ideas i mean yeah so i think you know? that, that uh, we are in just such a period of change right now um i just really think that we all we when it comes to to any issue um, that we're hearing we have to continue to have open minds um and just come at things from a perspective of of compassion whether that's that's compassion for um you know people who have lost their jobs the last couple of months whether it's compassion for the everything that uh, black Americans have endured, or even if it's compassion for um, some of, of the police officers who, who now find themselves in a, a serious situation of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, um, things are going to continue to change, to change a lot. And I think that we need to continue to be, you know, strong with what we believe, but I think we also have to continue to be open-minded and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but it is a very interesting time. And this last week might've even been more interesting than the week before, just to see how the whole thing is developed and, and how it's manifested into, to policy changes. So, um, and, and I think it, I ultimately AG, I think what I'll just say to end on is I think that everything is that's happening right now. It is, it's, it's a worthy experiment, um, because things have, haven't been working for a while. Um, and this at least gives us an opportunity to, to try something else. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say a, a few points and is one just throughout the course of our conversation, John, I mean, really what our podcast is all about is talking about these things. And I can say that talking about the monument thing, ha my view has shifted dramatically in just talking about it live with 
kind of live with you. And so that, that feels very kind of amazing to, to, to have a, like a, a conversation like this and feel like I am able to be open-minded, hear your perspective and have my view shift in kind of real time. And then the, the, this, the second thing I'll just say is kind of about your point about this experiment that we're trying. I am just so happy the, about the way our young people are rising to the occasion and really slapping the backhanded tradition and start and saying that there's a better world that we can create. We don't have to wait decades or be pushed down by the system. If we want change, like we can make change. And the way people are rallying is incredible for these issues. And I think that we lost our backbone for decades by people were getting crushed. Um, that the growing income inequality, our environment, um, systemic racism, just so many issues. And to see the way people have all come together for one issue that has really defined America for so long and our disproportionate kind of systematic racism to, to, to black people is really encouraging for what we can do as a generation for the future across a broad range of issues. Yeah, it's, it's and, so inspiring. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy with the way that we're coming out. And I think we can make a lot of change happen a lot faster. Yeah, and I think it's just showing what we're really capable of. Um, because I think that's, and what you said, I think just hits the nail on the head. Because I think so many generations before us, we're hesitant about change because either they didn't think it was practical or um, we didn't need to. And yeah, I just want to to second everything you said. I'm really proud of our generation for just just showing backbone. And you know, we we may not know exactly what we want or what is best, but but at least um, we're out there bringing attention to the problem. And I think that's that's just the the place you have to begin. So. You know, everyone out there who's who's listening to this, just, you know, keep on fighting for what you think is right and um, keep having conversations and me and Aiden will too. So awesome. Well, cheers, bro. This was super fun. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, doing it again very soon. All right. Me too. See you next time, AG. See you next time, John.